Hello, everyone. My name is Philip Palumbo. I'm the host of the Palumbo Pulse, where we interview some of the smartest and most successful portfolio managers, investors, market strategists, and economists to learn about their perspectives about their specific skill set. Today, we're with Mark Weiss of Openfield Capital. He's a partner of the firm and specializes in helping our clients navigate the emerging growth area of the technology space. Mark's track record since 2006 has averaged north of 14.45%, far surpassing the NASDAQ's 10% since that period of time. We're really excited to have Mark on board to, to assist us and assist our clients navigating this complicated technology space. And we're here specifically to talk about artificial intelligence and what that means to the economy and how to really profit from that. So first, Mark, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Mark, why don't we start with first just quick background on how you got into this technology space. You've been managing money in this space since 2006, which is a, which is a fairly long time. So quick background about you would be terrific. Sure. Um, well, I, uh, I, I started out um, studying engineering um, back in college, um, graduated uh, college in uh, 89. Um, and then um, I went to work for IBM uh, making semiconductor chips in uh, Fishkill, New York. Uh, and then um, saw the writing on the wall that uh, the mainframe cycle was, was going to end. So uh, full employment at IBM was going to end. So went down to New York City, go to business school. And then um, in, um, so around, like, when was that? 93, 94, started working on Wall Street, investing in tech companies and uh, started Openfield Capital in a 05, 06 timeframe to invest uh in only emerging technology, because that's where the money is, and um, and do it both at the public level and at the private level. Because we think that in order to really understand what you're going to do in the public space, you really need to understand what's coming up uh, on the private side. Terrific. So, Mark, all of this hype about artificial intelligence, is it for real? It's, um, it's, it is. But there's, there's, um, we don't want to overhype it. Um, I think it's uh, this, these advancements in large language models are, are pretty amazing. And it's very clear of artists like uh, this generative AI, uh, you know, your, your need for graphic designers are you're going to go down or because um, you, you can do it yourself or graphic designers going to become much more productive because you just say, I want an image of this and the generative AI models can make it. Um, you can, uh, uh, get questions answered very quickly on uh, on tough topics. You could have it generate PowerPoints for you. And what we're really seeing, I think, uh, we're going to see a lot of impact is in code writing. Uh, there's already products out there. And actually, some of these have been around, you know, for a while. Like, you look at um, uh, uh, GitHub's uh, Copilot. You know, there's articles written in, you know, September of 22, before everyone got excited about ChatGPT, about how this really uh, can, you know, uh, you know, increase developer productivity by fifty to hundred percent. So we think there's um, some real um, uh, wood here uh, behind the arrow. Uh, that being said, you know, what's really interesting is what uh, the head of uh, AI at Meta, uh, Jan LeCun, uh, said in the like, last two weeks. He goes, "Hey, these large language models, they can pass the bar exam." They can pass a medical licensing exam, an MBA exam, but to try to get into IIT, that's like the top, you know, uh, technical university in uh, India. Um, it performs very badly in chemistry. 
bad in physics, very bad in math. And so it's very good. These large animals are very good at rote learning and, and fluency, uh, but bad at building mental models of the world and being able to reason with them. And so let's make sure we understand that with, if we didn't get this um, kind of uh, big advancement in large language models, uh, about a year, year and a half ago, people were talking about an AI winter because we haven't seen a big improvement in, in robotics yet. Um, we're seeing some improvements there, but not a big one yet. We haven't seen the big breakthrough in self-driving cars. It always seems to be one or two years away, but uh, Elon Musk has been saying this in 1718, right? And so it's been a long time coming on those things. And so, um, you know, the, the self-driving taxis in San Francisco, there's a lot of issues with them. So, um, so we're seeing advancements in certain areas, not everywhere. So we need to know. Um, so I think believe the hype, but don't believe the really big hype that it's about to completely take over. There's still a lot of work to do. Mark, if we can do this, this would be terrific. How do we dumb this down to help our audience understand like, how does these learning language models put together this information and then put it out there to the public when they're asking these learning language models something, whether it's write me a poem or how they pass the actual, the bar exam. How is that even possible? Is there a way that you could easily and simply explain to someone how it actually works? It's a, this is, it's a, this is actually one of the problems of these neural nets is that they, uh, the people who know it best don't really have a great answer. Because uh, <laughs> no, they're, they're they're considered black boxes. So, and it's why, um, and there's a lot of um, terminology being thrown around here. So there's there's overall AI, and within AI, there's really kind of two buckets. There's machine learning, which is really advanced statistics, and there you actually can see the model, and it's considered AI because you you use the data. To make the model, you're not pro, you're not programming the model. You're the model's being made by the data, and then with that, you can make predictions about the future. But with machine learning things, you can actually see, oh, it's this factor and this factor, and this is how they relate to each other. Uh, these neural nets, they just kind of work. And these new large language models, technology actually developed out of Google called transformers that um, just enable them to uh, learn concepts better than uh you know prior neural net models and a lot of it has to do with the scale of the model the amount of data that you're using for instance like with um with language uh you want to be able to look at um if you say when you're in an email chain you don't necessarily want to look back one email back you may need to look back you know 10 20 emails to really understand context so the ability to uh do those associations between say a pronoun you used here and something many paragraphs back has to do with the, the size and the scale of the model. So a, a you, so, it, you, so, so a human is feeding data into these models yes. to help them learn, correct? Yes. So there, is, right. and, there is a human and, element to, to help these learning language models learn and then dissect the information, et cetera, correct? Well, to, to some extent, there's that's that's called supervised learning where the humans label everything 
and, and they put it into the neural net. And then a lot of times it's unsupervised learning where you just throw in raw data and you get a model out. So there's, there's both types of models. And, uh, and I am not expert enough to tell you when one's better than the other. Um, I, I just know that there's work are, are done on both. And uh, anything you do to get the humans out of the equation, the better, because you want it to be as automated as possible. So as far as the accuracy of these learning language models, so if you ask these models, whatever it is that you want to learn or have written, et cetera, right? As far as the accuracy, where are we with that? Well, they've, they've definitely improved. I mean, if they, there's, um, uh, I was trying to find this. I know I, I saved it somewhere. <laughs> this is why I need a, an AI co-pilot. But showed like at um, you know like you know GPT two versus three versus four in terms of where it was on the bar exam, and so um, so you know past ones couldn't pass the bar exam. Now it can. Now what I do think is interesting, and I I believe this is true, but I don't um, uh, I don't want you to take this as uh, money to the bank. That the what some people are thinking is that the the improvement from say GPT two to three or, or three and a half was much greater than say from GPT three to GPT four. That there that we may even though we were seeing these large advancements, the the returns from here while they will be positive, they may not be um, the perception of uh, accelerating improvement. It may just be steady gains to slightly slower rate of gains going forward, and it doesn't mean those things are not significant because, you know, if before you can't pass the bar exam and now you can, right. that's a significant step forward. And obviously we're, they're going to get better from here, but are they going to just suddenly become um, generally intelligent and able to do everything we can do overnight? Um, we don't think that's going to happen. So automated intelligence. So how is this, how is this going to assist the economy or, or help a company how do you see this transforming into our into our world, our economy, and and, and companies? Well, it's going to. Um, well, first of all, it's it's important to know that it's um, the, the there's the generative AI which we're getting very excited about, and that's going to help people, um, uh, you know, perhaps learn better. Right? It's a way for you know the students are already using this to learn topics better. Uh, that hurt Chegg's business. Um, which is why the stock uh, went down so hard. Right. So it, it, it can help people, um, you know, be able to ask higher order questions. So if Google, Google helped us to a certain extent, um, be able to, you know, access lots of data. But a lot of times it takes, you know, I could be on Google for an hour trying to find things. And sometimes I can go to chat GPT and I can get an answer in, in five minutes. So it could help. So it could help improve search productivity. It can help you write code. Um, you know, the, the CEO of Atlassian was asked a very interesting question last week. Uh, the question was, are we going to need fewer programmers because, um, you know, ChatGPT makes programming so much more productive? And his answer was, there's no shortage of demand for software. It's always about the cost to develop it. And that's why you have all these meetings with developers, like what features more important? Where, where should we put our resources? So if we could you know, double the, the output of programmers, that's going to be a huge impact to the economy. We're going to get uh, more, we're going to be able to increase our level of automation of software very rapidly. So we think, so we think that's very positive, but it's also, you know, there's a lot of AI going that's not generative AI where you're starting to see some real 
game-changing technologies. Now, a lot of these companies are private, but there's a company in New York City called uh, Page.ai. I think it's P-A-I-G-E.ai. They, um, you know, pathology today is still almost all analog, and it's subject to huge amounts of errors. You know, you take cells from your body, you put it on uh, a slide, and then a pathologist looks at it and tries to make it somewhat quantitative what they see. Is it cancer? How much cancer? And it's, you know, a lot of times um, people cannot, you know, on the entire slide, they may miss key things. Well, with, you know, now there's uh, studies have been done. It shows that with AI assist from page AI, a human plus AI together, much better than a pathologist on its own. Wow. So this is going to take over all of pathology. Uh, there's a company we've invested in called Vista AI. They automate MRI machines. They automate the taking of images. A lot of images are not good quality images. You want to be able to analyze that right away, know to retake it. Uh, a lot of the stuff is setting the image up. It's very pain. It's a uh, very inconvenient for the operator. Uh, very stressful work. A lot of that can be automated now, and uh, and this company is just starting to ship. So we're starting to see AI, um, not even you know beyond just the generative AI starting to really take hold in a lot of different sectors. Um, AI and drug discovery is really starting to work. Um, right. we're, we know some of the companies that we've invested in privately that they can find um, with, uh, and this is a form of generative AI, they can predict how molecules behave so they can search the chemical space, find molecules that can hit targets, and these things are, uh, we were already seeing results that are better than um, what um, other molecules that are already in, in the tr in, in trials. Um, we have much better characteristics, uh, and all this was done with AI. So we think um, the terrible drug um, success rate, you know, yeah. uh, 95% failure rate. If we can go from a 5% success rate to, to 7.5%, 10%, huge home run. So we're starting to see AI in a lot of places, but the generative AI is, you know, is very exciting because, you know, for the first time, AI can pass a bar exam. So that's, so, uh, and, and, and we know, like, my attorney complained to me a month ago. He goes, I see lots of attorneys are writing contracts with uh, ChatGPT. That's funny. So, so, yeah. so, so Mark, what inning do you think we're in in terms of the benefits to the economy in a positive way with AI? What any? Oh, what oh it's, we're, 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 it's um, it's just people kind of getting, it's people are coming to the stadium, you, people are warming up on the field. Um, yeah. So we're really we're really oh, it's, early, it's, early it, stages it, here, and so it's very so very who, early. So who do you see now that, that we just talked about the positives of AI, right? So what are the negatives to AI? Who's who's it, not the negatives of AI, but who's AI going to hurt? What industries, employees? workers skilled workers versus non-skilled workers what do we see what does that look like if we're just getting going here if we're just in the dugout and we haven't even got on the field yet right what does it look like and who's going to be affected the most well well see it, it's 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 th this is the great irony right and, and it goes back to what to what lacoon said right it could it could pass the bar exam so um so to me that means uh this could affect knowledge workers first before it affects uh you know, we, you know, the, there's, you don't see robots walking around with a hammer and nails helping to build a house, right? You, 
Um, and that's, and by the way, that, you know, a carpenter is a certain trained skill. You know, I'm sure there's some training that you do when you're inside of a, of a warehouse packing boxes, but it's not the same level as, as a carpenter or a plumber. Right. That requires a right. greater level of skill. We don't have robots that pack boxes. Um, we, we just don't. Um, we're, we're trying to get there. There's people working on it, but it's clearly, it goes back to what, um, you know, what he says, we, we, uh, uh, AI that has, can build mental models in the world and reason with that. When you have that breakthrough, well then, yes, then AI will be able to pack boxes, maybe help you build homes. And how far, how far right. off are we, how far off are we are from that? I, I, I don't know. I, listen, I, it's, I think it could be as short as three to five years, maybe shorter. I don't think it's 10 to 20, but it's, it's, um, it's it's a it's a different. We need something else to to get us there. It's not you, what you can't do is extrapolate. We've had the success of large language models, so we're going to solve this problem next um, within six months. It, it, that doesn't follow. I think right. what 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 Lecun is talking about is we need a new direction in AI to address that issue, and he has said so publicly. So when, look, just Lecun, you said his name a couple times. Yeah, Jan, Jan Lecun. He's and he's he, the head. He's the head eye. He's the head of AI at uh, at Meta, but it's also there's other you know, there's a book, a uh, really good book written by um, uh, Jeff Hawkins called uh, um, uh, I think it's called Thousand Brains or a Thousand Brain Theory, and it was uh, on Bill Gates's list of uh, five must-read books uh, in his Christmas 2021 book list, and so this book is about um, here's how uh, the mammalian neocortex functions. This is why mammals are smarter than other animals. We have this, this in the neocortex is a new brain that surrounds uh, the, the, the more primitive brain that we share with um, uh, reptiles and, uh, and birds. And, uh, and so it's, it's how we're able to reason and build a model of the world. And he goes, well, this architecture is very different than, than neural networks. So even though neural networks are supposed to be based on uh, human biology, they were developed in the, the original neural networks were developed in the 1980s and it was based on 1970s neuroscience. So neuroscience has learned a lot of different things since then. And a lot of that stuff is not currently in neural networks. Um, now, some of those concepts of neuroscience are starting to get into neural networks. Uh, a lot of people are working on uh, sparsity as a way of making uh Neural networks behave better, and that. But a lot of the sparsity concepts come right out of neuroscience. But we're still architecture-wise, we're very different. Um, the way our brain works, and remember, where it's really impressive what these large language models do, but they require football-sized data centers, of course, and right. millions and millions of dollars right. of of uh, of uh, of GPUs, and you know, you know, megawatts of power. Uh, this is twenty-five megawatts of power. Um, and, and we can outdo it, right? We can, we can pass a bar exam and pack a box and drive a car. Uh, chat GPT cannot do all those things. So, so we agree that, and I spoke into a private equity firm about this, that manufacturing was pushed over to China and non-skilled workers. That was an issue for them. Many, many people lost their jobs, right? Yes. But then the economy shifts and they figure it out. This time around, we're looking at skilled jobs being lost. 
And the private equity company was talking about how that, but that's good for the economy. It's a shift in the economony. And I'm just curious yeah. to think, I'm curious, I'm wondering what you think about that. Where, where would these skilled workers go? What does that mean to them exactly? Well, well, it depends. Like, for instance, like, um, like if you get really good at, you know, chat GPT, be able to give answers, that, that might um, affect call center workers. We might need, you know, um, a half to a third of call center workers. Um, but, you know, it's not clear. What it might do is for companies that don't have call centers today, they can now have call centers because you reduce the cost of call centers. Right. And maybe there's no net change in call center jobs at all. Um, the uh, programmers, you know, that, that was the question. You know, a lot of software stocks have been being, I think, negatively impacted because they think, well, if ChatGPT can write code, then maybe we don't need all this packaged software. Right. Or, um, but I think it's the I think that Atlassian CEO has it nailed. There is no shortage in demand of what we want to do with software. So if we make software developers much more productive, I don't think we have any loss of jobs with software developers. I just think we're gonna we're gonna get more out of them. And it's going to make the economy more productive. So it's, it's going to be it's going to it's going to be a shift that's going to make the economy, like you said, and I agree with that. It's going to make the economy more productive. So exactly one area that, that it's going to be it's going to be a shift. So I, what I want to do is is dig a little bit deeper and peel the onion back a little bit. I know you can get into great detail with things. So in order for artificial intelligence to work and do its thing, you need chips, correct? Yes. Okay. So the biggest manufacturer of chips of chips is is uh, is Taiwan Semiconductor, correct? Correct. Now, NVIDIA essentially calls Taiwan Semiconductor and says, make these chips this way. And that's their H100s, which are the most, um, most popular chips that are out there that are being utilized for artificial intelligence. Is that an accurate statement? Yes. Okay. So, but the problem is, is that the, the semiconductor firms, they can't make enough chips to keep up with the demand. Is that correct? Well, I think that's um, there's articles out there that it says it's really hard for people to get the H100s. And right. um, now some people think that's because uh, NVIDIA is purposely withholding a lot of these H100s that are customers because they they're, uh, want to build their own AI cloud. Uh, so this is where it gets uh, interesting. And this is why, you know, Google developed their TPU because they don't want to be dependent on NVIDIA, and there was a rumor. Um, now, early, when, you say, when, you Google, when you say Google developed their own TPU, yeah, they, so they, 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 it's, like, it's called it's called the Tensor Processing Unit, and it's it's their own chip, and it does exactly what the H one hundred does. It does what the H one hundred does. Now they will say it works fifty percent better, but you know everyone has their own ways of of gaming. Um, you know how well you do on certain uh, uh, tests. But Google makes their own chip and they're not, so they're going to TSMC directly. They're not sharing gross profit with NVIDIA. And there was a rumor the other day that Microsoft was talking to AMD um, about the same thing and that Microsoft has their own uh, chips being developed. And I think the reason is just like the, a lot of these uh, companies, Amazon included, have been working on chips to you know, they're working with ARM cores to try to not use as much Intel or AMD chips. They're, they're going to do the same thing here. So I think, because uh, if you look at the cost of a query, 
uh, an AI query today running on NVIDIA hardware, it's very expensive. And some people have done estimates that if every Google search was run through that type of hardware, Google would have to spend $100 billion wow. on CapEx. And so it gets very costly very quickly. And that's also a reason why uh, there's uh, alternative chip architectures I think are going to be looked at. There's some interesting startups there. And there's um, and, and there's and there's two approaches. There's trying to replace the digital approach of NVIDIA. Then there's companies working on what are called neuromorphic chips, right. which, which would be ultra, ultra low power. Um, and, you know, with, you know, very high compute with very little uh, cost and very little electricity. And so there's um, so there's alternatives there. OK, so everybody's looking to try to make a better mousetrap, right? Like always. That's just the way the world works. Yes. So, my, so so here's so when it when it comes to making money on this artificial intelligence movement, so, some of this, in my in my opinion, smells like the dot com era, right, where every it's like company name dot AI, company name dot AI. Right. So they. So they come across as when they are involved in AI and then money gets thrown at them, whether it's in the privates or the public market. So when we think about, I'm going to give an example, like NVIDIA today, right? From the standpoint of where they're trading at from a forward multiple, right? They're trading at pretty stupid multiples. And a lot of that is on anticipation of the demand of their H100 chips. And we know that's why the stock is trading where it's trading. And yes. obviously with their earnings coming out, I think in about two weeks, it's going to be super fascinating to see what the results are going to be. And that's and, and more so on the forward guidance, right, Mark? So yes. I'm, I'm wondering in your view, and just using NVIDIA as an example and other publics where you can make money on AI, have these AI-related public companies got ahead of themselves in terms of valuations because of the hype? It's um, it, like, it's. I wouldn't say it's a um, well. There's some parallels you could say to you know past hype cycles, but there's um, I would say look, we just had a big breakthrough with, with ChatGPT. Right. So there's there's some real meat to this bone. Um, I would I would argue that where we've seen you know worse behavior was you know in crypto. You know, to me, crypto was a lot more dot com like of just you know launch a coin, you know, and like in SPACs as well, right? A lot of speculation with SPACs, uh, companies that were you know, pre-revenue going public. Um, so I think SPACs was, was much more like the dot-com thing and crypto. Whereas with um, AI, there's um, you know, there's a lot of, like, you know, I think a lot of real good stuff being done with a lot of these private companies. But there was, but there also was with the dot-com era, right? I mean, there was some, there was amazingly positive things that, that oh, was the result. It, I mean, it transformed everything. Oh, there, oh, oh, ten years. Oh, there was, but it's it's, but it was a. Um, if you look at the '90s, right? How many search engine companies came public, right? I mean, there was Lycos, there was Excite, there was right. Yahoo, right? right? And then, and then in the end, almost none of them were really relevant. Correct. Right? It was a AOL at home, and that's, mean, and that's only, my, and only that's Google my, was relevant. Yeah, and that's exactly my point with this, right? So you have the relevant companies, which we just talked about. And then you have others that are going to come out and try to be relevant. In the end, they're just going to basically fall apart. And and I kind of feel like, and we know the way markets work, like that's probably where we're going. I'm strictly talking about from the investment. Yes. So if you had to say to yourself, in your view, that's publicly traded today, what companies do you think that would be the true beneficiaries of this movement? 
And I just well, want my audience to know that this is not a recommendation for you for, for you to buy any of these investments that Mark is going to say or sell. We're just strictly just educating and, and learning about what's best out there. Well, there's I think there's um, companies that have um, lots of data um, uh, have the ability to to train neural networks. So so a lot of the, the so a decent amount of the large companies, you know, have a lot of data um, now. Among those companies, right, because Microsoft is uh, has a you know, big stake in OpenAI and an alliance with them, right? They've benefited very well, right? So if you look at, you know, Microsoft, um, you know, from what I can tell, this is uh, uh, not exactly mark to market, but it looks like it's around, you know, 25, 26 times, 25, 26 free cash flow, whereas Google is about half of that multiple, right? Now, you know, does that mean you should buy Google? And not on Microsoft. Well, I think Microsoft's in a pretty good position to take share. Google has the ability to lose share, right? Their their search business right. is threatened. Right. Now, net net, if Google opens up their AI, I think there's a lot of new market that they can grab. So both them and Microsoft can do well. So all else being equal, you know, probably Google a better buy to Microsoft. But Microsoft, if we're at the early stages here and the, the real revenue uh, from op, uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT really hasn't kicked in yet in terms of Microsoft's revenue. You know, 26, 25 times, you know, calendar year 25, 26 free cash flow is not outrageous. Now, it does put them at a premium to other large cap companies. Um, you know, it's a, it's a higher multiple than, you know, than, than um, you know, Meta or, you know, uh, you know certainly higher multiple than, than Google you know, at a higher multiple than Apple on EV to free cash flow. Apple could be a, a big beneficiary. Um, you know, they they have a lot of data and it's not clear if they, you know, they've used it yet. You know, Siri is, you know, I don't think Siri's really been that cutting edge for a while. No, so, I so I think, so I think Apple might be able to do things uh, that are interesting, but our view is again, you know, the, the big problem with big cap stocks Companies that are you know between one and a half trillion and two and a half trillion, how are you going to make ten times your money on? Right, we just don't know if we're going to. Uh, I think if you're in, if you're Tesla and you sell cars, you can get to the revenue level that might be able to support a ten twenty billion dollar market cap. But if you're if you're selling phones and you know or you know doing what Microsoft's doing, you know we don't. I mean, you might be able to get a doubles and triples in these names, but we don't think you make ten times your money. Where we do think you can make a lot of money is, you know, a lot of like the the you know the mid cap to small cap software names as they add, you know, uh, AI uh, to themselves. So you know, you know, companies like ServiceNow, Snowflake, um, Atlassian, they're they're all starting to embed. Uh, first of all, they've all been adding AI to their products, right. but now they're going to be adding um, a lot more. They're going to be adding generative AI. Um, you know, Snowflake is in the business of, you know, pulling in all your corporate data so you can do stuff with it. Well, what do you want to do with it? You want to use it to make predictions. That's right. AI. Right. So, so uh, we think those companies have the chance to, you know, be, you know, five, 10 baggers, mostly because they're starting at a lower market cap. You know, it's, it's really hard for Apple from two and a half trillion to get to 25 trillion. <laughs> I just don't, I just don't think that's a good bet. I agree um, with you. I so, agree with you. All right. So, so Mark, um, I want to end it with, well, two, two other things I want to ask the J Jeffrey Hinton, who's the godfather of AI, right? 
so-called inventor, quote unquote. Why he left he left Google, right? He was a big player there. And now he's out there with major concerns and almost regrets that he started this whole AI movement. Why, what are his concerns and do you agree with him? Um, I, I agree with him uh, to, to an extent. Um, I think, and I think, I think he brings up some, some very good points. You know, there, there is, there is significant risk here. You know, you've already seen these videos, right? You, you can make movies, make videos. So, you know, can, can you make a, you know, a fake video of Biden saying uh, we're going to attack Russia, right? That looks indistinguishable from reality. You know, that sort you know, so that sort of misinformation, disinformation is is a serious risk. Absolutely. And and I and, uh, you know, obviously we're going to have to uh, do things again. I think probably the best way to do that, you know, there'll be um, I think you'll be able to have A.I. that might be able to figure out the difference between real and generative A.I. And, you know, you know, look at how the pixels were generated and try to figure out, you know, small differences that, that humans won't be able to detect, but maybe machines can. So it's not, so the, the answer to the problems of AI might be more AI. So we might be, and again, it, in many ways, it's like uh, cybersecurity, right? The, the, the cybersecurity guys keep getting better, but then there's, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, next gen um, security companies, like, you know, the CrowdStrikes, the Zscalers, the Cloudflares, right. Uh, they use lots of AI to fight that. So I think um, that actually will create investment opportunities. But in, in some ways, that's a tax, right? If, if people are using it for nefarious reasons and they have to buy software to fight against it, that, that becomes a little bit of a tax. But we think the, the gains we think will, will, will certainly um, out, outweigh um, uh, those concerns. Although I think we should be concerned about it. And I keep going back to um, to Lacoon. I think when, when people hear about Hinton quitting over this, you know, he, he a couple of years back, he went in a different direction because he was also not seeing, you know, the sensory motor um, advancements that we need to really make AI robotics happen. But I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, getting back to the, the names you should watch, there, there are there's some interesting names out there that are using AI and robotics today. And these are some next-gen AI robotics. I mean, there's really a couple of them that are, that are public. There's AutoStore in Norway, there's Symbotic in the US, but Walmart is gonna uh, automate all their distribution centers with Symbotic. Uh, and uh, and Symbotic's getting a bunch of other contracts outside of Walmart. But this is why Walmart put $150 million into them because they have some very advanced AI, which is that they, they take stuff in on trucks in the distribution centers, they, you know, they break apart these pallets. They go through this big, um, you know, facility where everything is rerouted. But then the robots know how to stack them up. So they have to figure out how to fit together and plan to, to pack all the boxes. Now, the next thing they're going to go do is 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 figure out how to um, pack the pack inside the box, and that's that's under development. But that's the thing that needs to happen next. But they they have an incredible technology. But there's only like today, like you know. The future world, I think we're going to have 20, 30 robotics companies to invest in. Uh, today, in terms of next generation AI robotics, there's kind of like two to three. There's not many that are public yet, um, but there'll be more coming. There's a lot uh, at the private level that we're watching. Mark, within two minutes, 
right? So you did an awesome job, you know, helping educate us about artificial intelligence and all these different questions that I have in my head. And hopefully it was helpful to my audience. Um, so artificial intelligence, obviously incredible breakthrough. We can see there the light at the end of the tunnel. In your view, and we talk about there are various other emerging technologies that are out there. In your opinion, what's after artificial intelligence? I, I would just, um, just give me one. I know there's numerous, but give me one that you believe can can be what AI is doing today. Um, well, there, uh, well, there's, um, well, there's AI is going to impact all of them, um, with probably the exception of quantum. But you know, augmented reality, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, early disease detection, all that stuff um, re requires. Uh, of knowledge of like uh like ai is, almost, DNA AI, proteins. is like, ai is almost like the core of everything ai is a which is going to yes. help lift augmented reality um it's, it's, quantum computing is, would be its own quantum computing yeah, quantum computing is most likely on its own although some people think quantum computing can apply to will make ai better i i don't know enough uh, uh, about to dispute that and i know there's people on both sides of that and I let them debate it. It's above my pay grade. But <laughs> but just like the way to think of it is this way. If you look at um, cloud, like mobile computing and cloud computing, right? If we didn't have the, uh, the iPhone, cloud computing would still be a big phenomenon, right? We'd all be accessing our PCs. We'd all be accessing the Google Cloud and Amazon Cloud through our PCs. But the fact that we access those cloud services also through the iPhone and Android phones has made cloud bigger than it would be otherwise right. and vice versa. So we think... AI is going to cut, is going to make all these other spaces bigger. It's going to make augmented reality bigger than it would have been otherwise. In fact, without AI, augmented reality can't work, right? It's like if I'm looking at something, I want the augmented reality to tell me what it is. So I need really good image recognition to make that happen. So uh, augmented reality doesn't even work without AI. And like, you know, cancer detection, you know, it's so much data involved, but all these liquid biopsy companies want to detect cancer it's early. Not, it, 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 it just doesn't work without yeah. AI. Right. But right. but but in the end, quantum is is the one that we think could maybe be as impactful uh, as as AI. And Definitely. like I said before, I, I think I think AI might be able to double drug success rate from say five percent to the ten percent. Uh, I think uh, quantum quantum could get it to a hundred percent. You would amazing. never have a drug that fails. Now how far? And that, how, and that, how, that would how, that would change the world in right. a massive way. How far are we away from? I understand. I mean, quantum computing is way down the road. Is that is that accurate? No, I I, I don't think it's that accurate. I think we have it with um, before twenty thirty, possibly sooner. And and uh, and what I do believe is the the um, that there's there's going to be probably one right way to make it um i believe uh the the privates here may be better position than the public so i don't want to count anyone out yet but there's um the the pathway to get to uh uh um a, a million qubit machine uh you you need you need to do things uh we think a little uh, a little differently in the way google and ibm are doing it um and uh so we think there's a but we um we're invested you know we're going to talk our book a little bit we're invested in some of these companies at the private level but what we know from their roadmaps um we think uh the world may be pleasantly surprised some people think it is a never um uh or people they think it's you know well beyond 2030 2035 right. 2040 uh we think it could happen uh you know 2027 2030 time frame which is not that far away 
So I just want and, a quick I want a quick answer to this last thing, which I'm interested in. So self-driving, which I know there is self-driving capabilities today, right? In Arizona, they're running they ran a self-driving program, which I believe is still ongoing. When does self-driving become universal where everyone is comfortable with an Uber driver coming to your home, which is being self-driven? In your view, when do you see that happening? Boy, that's a hard one. Um I I think it's um it's. I think it's. It's possible that it's, it's before twenty thirty, um, and it's. Uh, may, maybe it's only two three years away. Uh, I. I really want to uh, see next. Um, I, my understanding is, Tesla's kind of vision only approach is not going to work. Uh, I think that they need to add. Uh, I think they're adding uh, advanced radar. They don't like lidar. But right. um, but so we think uh, they're um, they're probably the most advanced, I think, in terms of AI software. Right. But uh, but they're I think they've been hamstrung by uh, the vision only approach. I think that's fixable. Um, and but I also sometimes think about what Lekun is saying, that we need an AI that, you know, uh, that can really can build a, a model of the world. So it can it can pass math and pass physics exams and chemistry the way uh, large language large language models can't. Uh, we might be dependent on that type of breakthrough to really have self driving work. And so um, I'm not sure we need that. I think we might need that, and and that and that makes it hard for me to predict. But um, but I'm also you know happy to see that uh, you know we know they talked about in the last conference called Tesla. They said they have a a new platform there to internally at the company that they call robo taxi which you know i think kind of says it all like they think that's the one that's going to be it even right. though they say the cars on the road today are self-driving capable i think what he's talking about is that ai harder they have is 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 capable of doing it but what they don't have are, is the is the radar sensors that that's going to be the new cars so um i'm not sure it's going to be true that the value of your current tesla is going to go up with self-driving software only I think you need to get these new sensors. So, so we'll see. I uh, I'd like to say by 2030, I think we'll have it. Hopefully sooner. A lot of great things going on by 2030. <laughs> yeah, Mark, it's been a pleasure as always talking to you about this awesome subject matter. You know, investors love emerging technology, being involved with that. A lot of these valuations have come down from its peak. I believe there's more to go in the short term here, but over the long term. I do think yep. you get some really good returns. So thank you for your time today. I appreciate it very much. Look forward, as always, working with you. Thank you for your partnership. And, and we'll be speaking soon.